Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Kathleen. Kathleen, if you can tell me where you were born, because you're a lady, we won't ask you when you were born. Um, <laughs> if you can describe what it was like where you grew up, the schools you went to, and the education that you received. Hi, um, I was born in San Diego, California, USA, and um, my both my parents were born here. We're just a San Diego family, and um, I was I was born in. My parents lived in a little house next door to my aunt's house, and they were going to put the freeway through, so everybody had to get out. And so my parents um, bought their first house um, over in San Diego, and it was a really great neighborhood. And I remember when I was three years old, I used to take a walk around the neighborhood and talk to all the neighbors and and I enjoyed them thinking I was so cute. <laughs> and then um, when I went to kindergarten, I went to Andrew Jackson kindergarten. And it was, I don't know how far, you know, it was three blocks or something. And I used to walk to school in the morning. And um, it was, um, you know, we, there were two kindergartens and we were in the first kindergarten. and. Um, we used to go in and they would teach us stuff and we would learn, you know, stuff. And I remember drinking orange juice or milk, whichever you liked. <laughs> and, um, and then we would go out and play in the play yard. And the first, the first kindergarten and the second kindergarten would go out and play together. But at when the bell rang, we went to our own kindergarten and our teacher was this really sweet old lady and um, it was very nice. I liked it. Then I went to first grade. My parents took me out of the public school and stuck me into the Catholic school. Um, and so uh, it was it was a little bit closer to my house, but across a busy street. So um, my parents walked us to school over there. Mm. And um, it was Anyway, we um, nowadays a lot of the um, Catholic schools wear uniforms, but it was before that time, so we didn't have uniforms. So uh, anyway, it was um, first grade, and the teacher yelled a lot, and my mother went and told her not to yell so much, and she was not willing to do that. So my mother took me out and put me back in the public school. And so um, I went to the second half of first grade in the public school. And then they, they wanted me to go back to the Catholic school for second grade for first communion. And um, I tolerated that. <laughs> <laughs> was it was and, it a different teacher that didn't shout quite so much? Yes, yes, it was. A, was, it, was a, it a nun? Yes, they were both nuns. But yeah, they... They of course uh, stuck the first grade, uh, the first communion children in with a with a nun, 
And um, so, uh, yeah, we made our first communion. And then um, third grade, I went back. I, I stayed at the Catholic school. And um, then in fourth grade, she put me back in the public school. Um, and that was like, I think fourth grade is the best year of school. You're like 10 years old and you, um, it's just great. I had a wonderful teacher and um, she was, she, uh, in fourth grade, we study the missions in California. We have all the <clears throat> California missions. And so the fourth graders study it and you, you have to make a model of a mission um, and bring it into school. And they still do that actually. And so we studied, um, it was really great. We studied um, the Mexican culture and we, uh, we, they made skirts for us and the girls and we could color them with a crayon. So it, it was uh, really fun. We colored it with a crayon and then we ironed it and the, the crayon went into the cloth. It was. Um, oh, that's clever. Yeah. That was really fun. And then we had a, a Mexican uh, dinner together. It was, or lunch, I guess, huh? Because mm. uh, I guess San Diego is fairly close to uh, Mexico, isn't it? Yeah, right, right next to Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, um, back then, was, was there a lot of trouble across the border? Was there a lot of um, um, illegal migrants coming across, or, or didn't you yeah. see a lot of that? Yeah, I don't know. I was a little kid, so I didn't hear about um, that. Um, really kind of interesting is that they told us that the Mexican people sat around and they put the food in the middle and then they took their tortilla and got food and ate it like everybody didn't have their mm. own plate. <laughs> <laughs> but um when I got married later on, um, my husband had some Mexican heritage and they told me that was incorrect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everybody has your own plate. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, but anyway, that, that was kind of interesting. Uh, at fourth grade, I, I moved across town to another school and um, so, and they wore uniforms at that school. So we had, it was St. Patrick's uh, school and it was um, fifth grade. And that's where I kind of started remembering my school, you know, back when I was a little tiny child, I, I don't really remember that, that well. And um, so I met my, um, my lifelong friend, uh, Judy Reed in, in the, um, at St. Patrick's and, Anyway, so sixth, uh, fifth through eighth grade, I was at St. Patrick's and the nuns taught the school. And every once in a while, we would have a teacher that was not a nun. And I remember in fifth grade, um, was it fifth grade? Maybe it was sixth grade. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> we had a, a lady and her name was Mrs. Wolf or Miss Wolf. And she got married halfway through the class. And her, she married this guy named Mr. Weir. So we called her Mrs. Weirwolf. 
that was that was pretty novel. Uh, I, I reckon that probably stuck for an awful long time. Yeah, probably. Werewolf. <laughs> and um, I remember was, in eight. Was this a was this an all girls school then? No, it was boys and girls. Yeah, the 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 all girls school was high school. I went to an all girls school in high school, mm. but. I remember um, eighth grade, we had science, and I just loved science. I loved to learn about weather and the different kinds of clouds. I just loved it. Hmm. Was that more geography than, than science, I guess? It was called science. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. It was called science, and they studied about weather, and I loved it. And um, my dad was an artist, so I loved art too. And we, uh, they had us listen to this. I think she had a record, and she put it on, and it was somebody talking about um, something artsy, like um, you know, some castles with art on the walls and people dancing and stuff. And and then we were supposed to make a picture that had something to do with. Um, what they were talking about. Well, so and, that could be quite a challenge, I guess. Yeah, I, it was fun for me because I love to draw. And mm. um, so that was kind of it. I thought that was really different that yeah. they did that. So what was the school uniform like? Uh, it was a green skirt with some, it was plaid. So it had some, red and black and white lines going this way and that way in it. And it was just like the, um, it had a solid back and then at the front, it, the two little pieces of cloth went across each other. So it was kind of like, um, anyway, we had a white shirt underneath and, uh, this, um, this oh yeah, and the older girls wore just a skirt. They didn't have that top thing on it. Hmm. So um, I think I wore the top thing the first year, and then I was an older kid, and I got to wear my just with a skirt. So that was to identify the young ones, was it? <laughs> yeah, I think you could tell because <laughs> they were short too. But maybe they they didn't want to <laughs> make the bigger girls wear that thing on top. Hmm. <laughs> But it kept your shirt clean anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So moving forward slightly then, what was uh, what was your junior high like? Well, that was, you know, the Catholic school went to eighth grade. So that was basically junior high. Here, junior high is sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So uh, I think the junior high kids maybe didn't wear the top on their <laughs> on their skirt. <laughs> That was what junior high was like. But we would go out and, you know, have lunch in the schoolyard. They have all these benches around the edge of the schoolyard, and we would sit on our benches and eat our lunch together. I guess in Southern California, it never rains, does it? Uh, yeah, very seldom. We have like 9 to 14 inches of rain every year, so that's not very much. Yes. We have, we have that in a week. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so we're we're called the desert by the sea, mm. um, San Diego. We have a river down the middle of Mission Valley, and it's called the river that's under the ground. 
That's what they, because it, the river's there, but you have to dig down to find yeah. the water. So there's that, that's, there's that song in there. Well, it never rains in Southern California. Hardly ever. I mean, we Hardly appreciate ever. our rain. When I, when it does rain, I'm always, because uh, we have a lot of tourists here in San Diego. I'm like apologizing to the tourists when, when it rains. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we love our rain because it's free water for the garden. Yeah. So I guess you have to use a lot of water to, to keep your garden. Probably. Yeah, like, um, like uh, I don't know what your water bill is like, but ours is like $200 a month for, I mm. mean, um, it's $200 every other month, I guess it is. Yeah. yeah, $100 a month for our water. It's pretty <laughs> expensive. They're trying to get water from the ocean now. Um, back, oh, back, back in 1949, they actually had a water purification plant here in San Diego that took the the seawater uh, and made you know fresh water for drinking out of it. But they um, they found that it was cheaper to get it from the Colorado River, so they made a ditch and brought the water from the Colorado River to San Diego, hmm. and and so. Um, they sold it to Cuba and they're actually still using the same water um, plant over there in Cuba that we had here in San Diego in 1949. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but anyway, now they're building us a new one because it's more expensive to get the, the water from yeah. the Colorado river now. So what about your high school? How did you get on there? Did yeah, you the, the high school again. Yes, um, the the high school was Regina Chaley Academy, and um, it was um, it's you know I really remember a lot about that now, <laughs> and uh, I met some friends. So much fun! Uh, I the actually the f freshman, sophomore, and junior year in high school. Uh, was really great. And then they decided to close my school before my senior year. So I had my senior ring from Regina Chaley, but I had to go to Rosary High School for my senior year because they closed it down. There weren't enough girls in the school. And so they closed it down. Uh, but high school was, uh, I mean, we had nuns and we had uh, um lay teachers, that's what they call them, lay teachers. And um, it was a small school. And um, yeah, one thing I remember about high school is um, Kennedy died when I was in high school. Um, yeah, John F. Kennedy died when I was in high school. 63, was it? Yeah. yeah. And, or six, yeah. And um, so they had us all go to the auditorium and um, they told us, and they had they had a TV on the stage, and they were playing, you know, the news. And I thought it was really interesting because we had a lot of girls from Mexico, and so many of the Mexican girls were crying because he died. And I just thought that was so wonderful that they cared so much about the president in the U S you know, I thought it was really sweet 
that um, they cried. Um, and uh, so, I mean, high school was great. We, we got, instead of staying in the same classroom, we got to go from classroom to classroom. And um, we had, we didn't have one teacher all day long, which was really great because when, you, if you, you know, sometimes those yeah. teachers, you have to just kind of tune out <laughs> to, <laughs> to just exist in their room. But um, so we had the, you know, the kind ones and the, uh, the yeah. oh my gosh ones. The and, ones. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> so what and, was your favorite lesson then? Um. Well, the the English teacher was really wonderful. Um, she she was very personable and talked to us and cared about us. And so I guess that must have been my favorite one. I like Spanish class too. She was a very old lady, the nun that taught Spanish class, and and um, it was just charming. She would try and tell us, um, okay, so. We're, we're saying the lesson, but when you go to Mexico, you say it like this, you know, and uh, so she was, you know, trying <laughs> to help us out. Yeah, she was trying to help us out, and um, she was lovely. Um, I remember um, we we read The Pearl in, um, in English class, and um, there was, I mean, there was a lot of classics that we, uh, read in English class mm -hmm. and um, <laughs> religion class was really funny that I mean I'm here I am talking probably saying um a lot but we used to um, I had a friend in religion class and we would sit there and a, a priest would come and talk to us once a week um, and so we would my girlfriend sat there and made a mark every time he said, um, and she like had his <laughs> the page filled up by the end of the day. <laughs> Poor guy. I felt sorry for him. <laughs> well, some people are afflicted with that way, aren't they? So it's very difficult sometimes when you're up talking about something that you, you don't know an awful lot about. So you tend to say, um, um, yeah, um, well, I think maybe um, he knew a lot about religion. But, <laughs> just but, didn't know how to talk to girls. Yeah, maybe that was it. I think that might have been a problem for him. These teenage girls, my gosh. And I mean, really. Yeah, um, he was in the wrong job. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He needed to. Yeah, I think he was the priest who actually decided to close our school. Maybe that had something to do with it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, might have had a lot to do with it, I guess. Maybe those. <laughs> I mean, he could have he could have spammed somebody else for doing the job, <laughs> right? He could have got somebody else more qualified to go and talk to girls. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why the nuns were there, right? You can. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have to. They didn't have to pay the nuns. They could just um, mm. feed them and house them. So moving on then. Um, did you go off to college after school? Yeah, my, my mother told me that I owed her two years of college. So I went to college and um, I got a, a two-year degree, uh, an AA degree, Associate of Arts degree in art. And that was really amazing um, 
there were things I wanted to do. So I actually got a job while I was in uh, college. I worked at the Wiener Schnitzel down the hill from the college. So it's like I would get up in the morning and I would walk three miles to school. I couldn't believe it. I, I walked three miles to school to save 25 cents. But I guess 25 <laughs> cents was quite a bit back then. Um, I wanted that money for something else. Hmm. And uh, and then I uh, I would have a PE class at, you know, like seven o'clock in the morning. So I got up and walked to school at five o'clock in the morning or yeah. five thirty. And then I I went to class and I had a PE class. And my friend Judy was there too. We went to to City College together, San Diego City College. And then I would have my other classes and then I would go down and work the lunch break at the Wiener Schnitzel. And then I would go back to school and have my afternoon classes. And then I would go back down to the Wiener Schnitzel and work the dinner shift. And then I came back up to school and I went, I took the evening classes to, um, and then my dad would pick me up at 10 o'clock on his motorcycle and take me home. Okay. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, I was an art student and they didn't think that art was really school back then. They thought art was kind of like fun. And so they gave us, our classes were one unit. And usually in college, the classes are three units. And so I had to take three times as many classes as other people, as my friends, because I had art classes. It's a fair, isn't it? Yeah, it is now. I mean, nowadays, when I went back to school, when I was uh, like 38 or something like that, I went back to school and uh, to get my degree. And all those classes were three unit classes then. So I had all my classes. I could take whatever I wanted because I had most of my classes that I needed already. <laughs> but anyway, it, it was, you know. It was the, you know, the time of the Vietnam War, and uh, my boyfriend was in Vietnam. And, uh, yeah, he so. Hmm? Did he come back? Yeah, he did. He was a corpsman uh, with the Marines, and I met him here in San Diego because we have the, the Navy Hospital here in San Diego, mm -hmm. and that's how I met him. And then he went off, he went off to Vietnam, uh, and, you know, I was praying for him and, and, uh, you know, he would tell me like his friend died and it was so traumatic for him because he had to put his friend in a body bag, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so, um, I was praying for his friend was named peanuts. He called his friend peanuts. So I, I was praying for his friend peanuts also besides praying for him. But I, I did not know anyone who died in the Vietnam war. I, none of the people that I knew, maybe I didn't know a lot of people, mm -hmm. but there was a young man from my church who, who died in the war. And um, they, I went to his funeral, even though I didn't know him because I felt so, so bad that they were over there doing that. <laughs> you know, that was very traumatic for, for all of us. <laughs> yeah. We have had a lot of war since then. And, uh, they're all traumatic, whichever way you look. Yeah, at. And, right. Uh, yeah, it's just 
different way of doing things nowadays, I guess. Yeah, hopefully they're going to get smart about it soon and realize that we need to be nice to each other. And um, yeah, I can't see that happening, really. Not with the likes of uh, Putin about. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, anyway, uh, back to college. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, um, yeah, so I had all these art classes, which was really fun. And, um, my gosh, I still have paintings in my house from that time that I painted in college. Wow. And I, I met the man that I was going to marry when I was at City College, too. Um, I had a boyfriend. Well, my boyfriend from, that was in Vietnam, he came back and he was from Hawaii. And my, um, my boss did not want me to marry him. So, uh, so she told Ron to ask me out. <laughs> <laughs> so Ron married me instead. <laughs> so what was your first job when you um, graduated from college? Well, my first job when I graduated from, I, okay. So um, I, I went, um, the first job was, well, I was an artist, right? And so I worked at this place called Canyon Graphics and we, we made silk screen art there. So Canyon Graphics used to make um, like, you know, like they have machines and then on the machine is a little plate and you yeah. can push the buttons below the plate. It's kind of like a plasticky plate and you can push the buttons below it. And I made the art for those plates. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I created the art and then I put it on this step machine and it stepped it into like maybe six or nine up. And then I would give it to the silkscreen people and they would make the silk screens for it. And then they would, you know, make the panels. And that's what I did. My first yeah. job. <laughs> How long did that last then? I guess that um, didn't really challenge you, did it? Well, or did you have a brief on, on what sort of design they were looking for? And you have to put several designs forward before they, um, yeah, it was a photo. Them. It was a photo. Um, it was, I was, I had a photo lab. Uh, I created the art and then I took a picture of it, you know, and then I put it on the step machine and made a, a negative. And then it was quite, you know, it was so funny because, um, I was the artist and the, the work wasn't very artsy, but I, um, so when, when, okay. So when I became a young woman and I wanted to decide what I wanted to be, when I grew up, my mother asked me, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to be a fashion designer. And my mother said, well, not too many people get to be a fashion designer. Maybe you better think of something else. And my dad was an artist, a graphic artist. And so I thought, well, if I want to make money and I want to be an artist, maybe I should be a graphic artist. And that's what I took in school. I took mm. commercial art. And so that's why I was doing stuff like that that wasn't really very creative because I wanted to be a graphic artist. Mm. 
and those were graphics and that's that was the job but it was so funny because i um didn't really know that much about computers and my boss came in and said okay we need to we need to make some labels and we have this machine and here's the book and I told him, I don't know how to do that. And he said, well, you're the artist, so read the book and <laughs> and make the labels. And I was sitting there crying uh, because I didn't know how to do it. And, and so I read the book and I did it. And I was so proud of myself. Oh, my gosh, I made those labels <laughs> with, that, with that machine. It was a machine with a little knife and it would just cut all the labels individually. It was amazing. Wow. <laughs> so it so was little, challenging it was challenging yeah. because i was just like oh man uh <laughs> putting upon you, you know, yeah because i was the expert right even though i didn't yeah. know how to do it i was yeah. the expert so it was my job <laughs> and after that i went and worked at a newspaper and i did paste up at a newspaper I think they had artists doing paste up because we actually could see what was straight up and what was crooked. You know what I mean? And although we used um, T squares and triangles and stuff like that to get everything straight, um, you know, that if you want to be an artist and you want to have a job and you want to make some money, you're going to have to do graphic artists, you know, because uh, I mean, if you want to be a sculptor, you just got to get lucky that somebody likes your work. But if you want to go to a job, you know, yeah. you got to do graphics. Well, funny as you say about post-up, I mean, when I was in Afghanistan in 02, um, we were putting together a, a three-language newspaper uh, mm-hmm. and I had to do all the post-up on it. Oh, so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so we, we, had, we had to uh, type up these uh, these, these bits print them mm-hmm. off, cut them out, paste them into the into the layout. Uh, and With then, wax, right? You used wax. Did you use? Oh wax? no, this 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 was paper on paper, sticking it down, and then then we had to to scan it to get a, a, a um, right uh, a trace, and the trace went to the printers, and, and, mm-hmm. and they made the plates from the trace. Yeah, it was a. It was a long, drawn-out process, that's for sure. Yes, it um, was. Yes, it was. People don't realize what we did back then. <laughs> yeah. But we used wax. We had a wax machine, and we would take the type and stick it through the wax machine and then put it down on the mm. on the boards. It's all good fun back then. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I have, yeah, I have all that stuff. From my um, from my college and and when I worked at the paper, and I I keep looking at it thinking I should throw this away, you know. But it's really <laughs> history is it's history. It, it is, and then and if you can find a uh, a printing um, museum that take it. Oh, oh, that's a good idea. That's an idea. Yeah, because we everything we had to make a negative, you know. Mm. And um, remember, in college, we were using three uh, M color key, and you and you had to you had to carve it out, you know. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Nothing easy there, then. 
So that, that's what you was doing at a newspaper. So was yeah. this one of the big, big multinationals or was it a local newspaper? It, it was local. Yeah, it mm. was local. And uh, we were just making the the editors look good with our, you know, we'd take what they wanted <laughs> and, and paste it up for them. I guess working to a deadline all the time. Yeah, I worked. If, yeah, I worked. Coffee um, came in late, and, and you had to. <laughs> you were under even more pressure, I guess. Yeah, I worked in the the graveyard shift. You know, we had to have the the newspaper done. I think by two in the morning or something, so they could print it for. Yeah. Um, yep, that's what yeah. I did. But, you know, when uh, my college was kind of interrupted because I got married after my third year of college and I had, you know, I got I had five kids. And then when uh, my daughter went to college, I went back to college and got my third my fourth year of college. And (laughs) yeah. So when you when I talk about you didn't have to work quite as hard, did you? Oh, yeah, man. Three credits instead of one for every class. Diapers for five kids, for gosh sakes, you know. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so I had a little bit of an interruption there. But I remember when I was in college, I was sitting there, um, you know, when when I was 38 and my daughter was 18, she went off to college, and we were at the same school. Only I was in the art department and she was in the engineering department. And I was sitting at school one day and I, I, w- I was doing some homework and I saw these shoes walk by me and I thought, well, I have shoes like that. And I looked up and there's my daughter. She was wearing my shoes that day. Mm, that's a trouble with girls, <laughs> isn't it? So she wasn't in trouble. She was, it was fine for her to wear my shoes. We had the same size feet. <laughs> 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 How often did you borrow her shoes? Yeah, never. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was pretty fun. It was nice being there with her. The art department and the engineering department are right next to each other. So it was pretty cool. So you used to go out and have lunch together? <laughs> no, actually, it was pretty odd that I saw her at school. Uh, she had a little car by then. Um, oh. She. She had a little Carmen Ghia, little green Carmen Ghia. All right. Um, that yeah, she drove. Volkswagen, eh? Yeah, it was great. Um, and um, she used to drive to school every morning. She was on her own. She, it, it was so funny because uh, after she was done with college, um, she wouldn't apply to General Atomic to be in it. She was an aerospace engineer. And she wouldn't apply at General Atomic because she didn't get all A's because she had to work while she was at school. She was like blaming it on me that she didn't have all A's because <laughs> she had to go to school. Anyway, I'm well, sure General Atomic. She worked a bit older at it then. <laughs> so she got a job at a different kind of um, engineering firm. So... When you left college then, you, you kind of got married, so you, you dropped out a, a, a year early. Yeah, a year early, and, and yeah. And started churning kids out. Yes, yes. And I remember when I was 25 years old, 
Um, I had my third child when I was 25 years old. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a quarter of a century old. I just thought that was really old. And <laughs> obviously, since I had all those children to care for, I was pretty old. And, Were you uh, able to be a stay-at-home mom or, or yes. did you have to work as well? No, I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, I Yeah, I was a stay-at-home mom. I was lucky. And um, yeah, my husband had a really good job. And he was really good at what he did. And every time they had a layoff, they saved him. They could save 10% of the of their workforce when they had a layoff. And they always saved him. So we were very fortunate to have, you know, a good yeah. job when we were raising our kids. So you stayed in the, the San Diego area all of that time. Did you travel much during that time? Not really. I, well... When I was 18, I went to Hawaii to visit my boyfriend from Hawaii. <laughs> that that was one travel thing I did. And then when my husband was working, he he put phone systems in and he was putting a phone system on the Blue Ridge in Japan. So I got to go to Japan with him. So that was pretty cool. And, and did you drag the saucepan lids along with you? No. What did you yeah, say? Drag the saucepan lids, kids. Oh, the saucepan. <laughs> no, my sister stayed at my house and took care of them while I was gone. No, so, right. yeah, she. That was a proper result there. That was like having an extra honeymoon, I guess. I guess so. I mean, really, when we got married, we didn't have much of a honeymoon. My, uh, we got married. We wanted to get married before Christmas. Um. So we'd have a nice long honeymoon, but my mother said if I got married before Christmas, she wouldn't come. So we got married the day after Christmas, and then we just had a weekend for our honeymoon. Mm. <laughs> so, so we, yeah. So <laughs> so that was I, a belated honeymoon then. I guess so, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it was very interesting going to Japan. It was a lot different than the U.S. Probably still is. Yeah, everything was small over there because there's they're on a little island. I mean, we're here, you know, in California, oh, yeah. it's pretty big. We're kind of spread out a bit, um, but everything is is quite compact over there. Mm -hmm. That's what I noticed about it, and it was so yeah. clean. It was very clean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's come forward a little bit then. Let's uh, so. You you was at college at thirty eight and and you graduated. Did you graduate the same year as your daughter, or did you sort of you do it? Uh, no, I, I graduated when she was a freshman. Actually, still, um, All right. she, you know, I just had one year to go, and I didn't have very many classes to take because I had already taken all the classes when they were one unit. <laughs> so I, you know, it was pretty cool. I could take whatever I wanted, you know, and and still graduate. But it, I wasn't a, a math person. I didn't do math very well. And they make you take um, tests before you graduate. So mm. the week, be, uh, like for like a month before we had to take this math test, I, I took remedial math. Um, and so when I took the test, I knew how to, to do all those things, but I forgot it immediately afterwards. And as you do, because it's 
a complete and utter waste of time generally. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, you know, because I do love to sew. I, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And so I did all, actually make my clothes and my children's clothes, you know, during my life. And you need math for sewing, number one, mm. and you need math for um, cooking also. And I cooked quite a bit too. So um, those so were had a practical things. use for it. Yeah. And art, you know, you have to measure stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah. So. <laughs> so what did you do once you got your degree then? Yeah, it was very interesting because I got my degree in 1989. And that was the beginning of computer graphics. So all the stuff I learned in school were not usable anymore. Everybody had to go back to school and learn how to use a computer so they could do art. Mm. And so um, I didn't really, you know, I, I think I was still working at the newspaper when I graduated and uh, I didn't, uh, yeah, I couldn't get a job because it was all, it was all computers. That, I mean, just think about it. The, the first uh, graphic program was Illustrator 88 and I graduated in 89 and I was really lucky to have done an internship with a lady who was using Illustrator 88. So I actually kind of knew how to do that stuff yeah. a little bit, not enough to have a job. And so I had to go back to school and I went to Platt College of Computer Graphic Design and I got my um, diploma from there also. And then I could work, but it was silly. You know, I was an artist and I mean, I wanted to be a fashion designer, really, you know, <laughs> and there I was trying to make, you know, you, you go in and you, you work in a place and you make ads, you know, mm -hmm. you put ads together, you know, and it was, I mean, I could do it and it was fun um, to make the computer do what I told it to and stuff, but. <laughs> so let's just, let's just explore that for a second. So. You, you're working for an ad agency, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. So how involved were you with the, 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 the planning cycle? Did, Nothing. Did, 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 Zero. So, you know. so how did you get the brief to, to come up with what design they wanted for a particular product? It was already designed when I got it, and I was just working the computer and putting their ads together for them. Um, oh, right. I, so, it wasn't it wasn't a creative job at all. They yeah. they they said it was, but it really wasn't. They just needed somebody who knew how to work the machine, you know, the computer yeah. to put the ads together. So and one they day, one had day, a designer, they're designing the ad then. Yeah, the, the salesman designed the ad. <laughs> but one day I got to draw with Illustrator, I got to draw a car. And it was so, it looked so good when I was done. I mean, I just took a car and made a template and put it on Illustrator. And then I just drew around it. And it looked exactly like a little cartoon car <laughs> when I was done. It was so fun. And they were like, wow, how'd you do that? And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> I know how to do that, you know. It's a secret. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> very, very complicated procedure. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah right, right. It was really, <laughs> I could have really done that all day long. It was so fun. And I'm sure if I did that all day long, they would have paid me more, right? Yeah. But I, I, I tried to get a good job, um, but I, um, it was difficult back then. I mean, everything, it, you know, you print it out, right? Nowadays, you can just make things on the computer and print them out and they look great. And, but back then, um, it was difficult to, I mean, it was very expensive to get mm. media to make a portfolio. And so yeah. I went, when I went out to get a job, I had all my stuff that I had done not on the computer and I had, you know, it, um, it was very difficult to get a job because I needed to spend mega bucks to get my portfolio put together. And um, yeah. I had five, I wasn't going <laughs> to, anyway, it was difficult. It was difficult. Um, so after that, I decided, um, I, through my whole life, I always had pneumonia and bronchitis every year. And um, when, when I um, finally, my doctor took pity on me and sent me to this uh, class and, and you learn to breathe properly. And then after I learned to breathe properly, I didn't get sick anymore. And so that was a really great thing for me. And uh, I was a graphic designer and I was in a I actually did freelance after that where I was making things for people. <clears throat> and uh, while I was a freelance graphic designer, I was in a networking group and I heard this lady talk about breathing. And I remember my doctor, you know, got me breathing correctly. And so I heard her say breathing and I'm like, Ooh, I want to, you know, I went over there and I was trying to hear what she was telling this other person. And so I found out about transformational breathing uh, from that lady. And actually, that's where my career turned. So I, I went to this um, class about the breathing. And then I decided I wanted to learn how to be a facilitator of that breathing. So I went home and I told my husband, my husband was a person that never wanted to do what I wanted to do. I don't know if you ever met people like that, but if I wanted to do something, he like did not want to do it. Mm. And, um, and so um, I sort of tricked him. I told him, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I want to do this breathing class and I know I'm going to grow from it and I don't want to grow past you. So would you take this breathing class with me? And he said, yes, it was so great because we were really careful about our relationship. We were, you know, we really wanted to, we were trying to always make our relationship um, so we didn't have to get divorced. We didn't want to do that. And mm -hmm. so we were all like, kind of careful about our relationship. A little yeah. bit of compromise here and there to go. Amiss. Yeah, right. I, we just wanted to keep this thing going because we had five kids for gosh sakes. Yeah. And, um, and so um, our son, our baby boy son was 16 years old. And uh, the lady told us that if we bring our children, they're free. So we had to pay for me and Ron, but John was free. So we, I talked him into going. He like said, why do you want me to do that? 
And I said, well, we should do, yeah, really. Free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was the reason. But I said, oh, well, we need to do things as a family. And he said, okay. So he came and we all became transformational breathing facilitators. And so that um, after that, I decided that that would be my career instead. And so, um, so that's what I've been doing. Uh, and also at the same time, I, I went and did another education. Um, that was in 1999. I took a course in expressive arts therapy. So they have art therapy, but they have expressive arts therapy. And so what the expressive arts are is um, it's uh, like drawing and then it's poetry and it's theater and it's music, all the arts. And you use them all together to help people get out of their stuck places. That's what the therapy is about. So I took a course in that and it was in San Diego and I went uh, during the year in San Diego. And then I had to go to Switzerland in the summer to um, everybody. They had all these schools all over the world. It was the ISIS Institute, the uh, International School of Intermodal Studies, ISIS. And um, so that was really you know, like, so cool. I had to go all I had to go off to Switzerland every summer um, to go to school. And that was really delightful. And we had people from all over the world. I mean, I was going to school with Jews and Palestinians. And, you know, I was going to um, Germany. And uh, there was a guy from Ireland uh, there were people from Denmark and um, Sweden. Anyway, we all went to Sospi, Switzerland in the summer and went to school together. That was really, really cool. Mm, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a master's program. And mm. uh, so anyway, um, I didn't actually finish it because my husband got sick and I, we were in, and I ran out of money. <laughs> mm. But I went for two years. It was a three-year program. So um, <laughs> anyway. So let, let's come forward a bit because, I mean, you spent quite a lot of time looking after your husband when he became ill then. Yeah, poor guy. Uh, he was an athlete, and here he got Parkinson's disease. I mean, his friends were like, oh, no, not Ron, you know, because he was a runner. He he biked, and he, you know, he did uh, – he was a triathlete, actually. Hmm. And um, so, um, yeah, he got Parkinson's disease. He He had it for quite a while, and they didn't know what it was. And finally, in 2001, they diagnosed him with Parkinson's disease. And mm. uh, in 2000, I think it was 2002, can't remember, that he had to leave his job because one of the problems with Parkinson's disease is you can't write. Um, when you write, it just gets yeah. really small at the end. And uh, he had he was supposed to document what he did in in his job and he couldn't write so he couldn't document what he did so he had to they had a buyout and he took it mm. and uh, he thought he would get another job afterwards but 
the medicine they gave him make him tired. And so he couldn't get another job. And so there we were without a job <laughs> and uh, with a really tiny pension because he had to, he was like 52. He had to, you know, quit his job when he was 52. You don't get much of a pension, even though it was 30 years he worked there. It wasn't very much. And so um, that was an awful time. But he, yeah. he could still move around. He could still walk. But when he took the meds, he could walk. When he didn't take the meds, he couldn't walk. Mm -hmm. And so he was okay for quite a few years. And then in 2010, um, he um, stopped taking the meds. This uh, doctor came to my house and he, I sell negative ion clothes. And um, so the doctor came to my house to see the clothes. And then when he saw Ron, he was like, oh, now I know why. I came here. <laughs> I, I'm going to heal Ron. And so he wanted to take Ron off of all his meds. And all of a sudden, Ron couldn't move anymore if he didn't take his meds. So that's mm. when he became totally disabled. Um, and um, so the doctor worked with him for, um, for six months. I mean, we were doing coffee enemas three times a day. And I was juicing all these carrots and apples and celery and you know, to give him that, to clean all the meds out of him. <clears throat> and um, anyway, after six months, the doctor gave up. And so there I was with Ron and he couldn't move. And my kids said, and the thing is that uh, Ron was in a lot of pain from the medications. Mm -hmm. The medications made him have stenosis of the spine, you know, and he was he was in pain all the time because of the medication and he was fine being paralyzed. He just didn't want to be in pain. He was fine sitting there in his chair, watching cowboy movies all day long. He loved that. And, um, and so he didn't want to start taking the meds again. And my children said, well, you can't just leave him paralyzed. And they had this, uh, surgery called deep brain stimulator. And so uh, we decided to do that. And th they said that they didn't know. I mean, here he is paralyzed, right? I'm taking him around in his wheelchair everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I took him to the doctor and they, you know, about the deep brain stimulator. And the doctor said, well, I don't know if it would work. He's paralyzed. And they said, well, if we give him the medication and it, and it makes him be able to move, then the deep brain stimulator will work. So they gave him the medication. I mean, for months, he hadn't been able to stand up, right? Mm -hmm. They gave him the medication. Like a half hour later, he stands up out of his wheelchair and walks around. So it was like, oh, my gosh. Okay, <laughs> so then they did the deep brain stimulator. Uh, but then it failed, and he couldn't walk. And he couldn't talk. I mean, he had been able to talk before that, yeah. but the deep brain stimulator made him not be able to talk either. So it was a failed deep brain stimulator. So then I got to be a caregiver until he died, you know, mm. just, I mean, he couldn't move. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. And um, he used to write, write things on his hand, on my hand. Um, like if he wanted, um, ice cream he would 
I-C-E-C-R-E-A-M on yeah. my hand. <clears throat> and um, so we could communicate. Uh, and yeah. also we had the cell phones and he could type, he could, um, he could type. Mm. So he would, and he had a, a tablet, one of those electronic tablets, an I, I, iPad or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so um, that was uh, 2011, and then he died in 2018. So um, <clears throat> I got to stay home hmm. and be his caregiver. I had to quit my job. And uh, anyway, so I, uh, while I was on, you know, staying home, I got I went online and I did a lot of healing, personal healing with um, a light of enlightened thought leaders. And I mean, that was what, seven years I was on, you know, line doing healing with those yeah. people. And, and so I felt like I had learned some stuff and I put together some philosophies of my own synthesizing what they said. And I felt like I, I had some things that I could teach people. And um, anyway, so after Ron died, I mean, I thought we were going to be riding our bicycles across France in our old age, and <laughs> obviously not, right? Um, and so I had to get another dream, and my the dream I got was to walk the Camino Santiago de Compostelo, and um, that was that was like. My girlfriend did it. My girlfriend, Judy, that I knew in grade school and high school and college um, went on the Camino and she put on Facebook all about, you know, her travels. And I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to do the Camino. You thought to yourself, oh, I could do that. That's yeah. It's just a walk in the park, isn't it? It's just putting one foot in front of the other and away you go. Yeah, really low, low skill, <laughs> low tech. Yeah, I can do that one foot in front of the other. And, so how did that how did that work then? How did that actually, uh, how did you start? How, how did you go with the planning? Did did you have, uh, did you carry everything with you? Uh, or, or did you have a, a pack mule that, that carried the stuff? <laughs> yeah. Did you, I, a, did you have a Sherpa? I, I got a pack. I got a really great pack. I tried four packs before I got the right one. Got this really great pack. Um, and uh, the the science of going on the Camino is to pack lightly. And you just take what you need. And you don't, you don't need to carry food because there's food there. It's not like you're going to a third world country or anything. You know, Spain is, is a modern country. And they have... Um, food there and they have places to stay they're called albergues and you go and uh, you walk from albergue to albergue each day so all I needed was my sleeping bag and my clothes and you know my toiletries and um, I took a few extra things because I have food allergies so I brought a pot just in case I had to cook my own food if I, if I couldn't find food that I could eat um, and I bought a titanium pot that didn't weigh very much. And mm. so, yeah, you carry it all on your on your back. But if you if you can't carry it, you can actually they'll they'll um, drive it to the next place for you too. They've got people who do that. 
But I wanted so to carry. How, I wanted to carry my many, pack. How many days did you jump on the transport then? <laughs> <laughs> one day. One day. I there was one day walking uh, into Burgos is a nine mile hike on the freeway, and I was just Ooh. like, "No, yeah. I don't want to walk nine miles on the freeway." So I walked to uh, Villa Fria. And then uh, from Villa Free, I took the bus to Burgos. And that was the only time I took the bus. Did you get many blisters? I did not get any blisters. I, wow. you know, and I think if you try and go fast, you're going to get blisters. And I walk slow. And, um, you know, they, they talk about how to do that. And it seemed to me like the people that got the blisters were the ones that needed to get out of there. You know, they needed to walk fast and get out of there. And I did not, I had, I mean, I gave myself three months and it only took me two. <laughs> <laughs> so you rushed it then. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, and I have a problem with my foot too. I have Pez cavus, which is like, you've got high arches and you're getting old and they're falling. So. Yeah. Um, did you so have I, special footbeds in, in your, your shoes? Yeah, yeah, I had um, this orthotic in my shoe, and also I did Tai Chi walking, which is you roll your foot and you bring it off at the end, you bring it off the ground at the end, and, and you put it down and you roll your foot and like that, and that was really helpful. Hmm. Because if you're going to be slamming your feet, bam, 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 all the time, you're going to have hurt feet. Uh, so you're I gonna, did going to have problems, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I did Tai Chi walking, which really took a lot longer also, but at least I could do it, right? Did you do it in the sort of the slow motion? Did you do the hand movements <laughs> as you went by? <laughs> no, I had my hands on my poles. I was going like this. <laughs> so you got your pack on your back, you've got your poles, and, yep. and the poles actually help a lot. Yeah, we, they do. Um, we're they taking do. some of the pressure off your your hips and your knees and your ankles and your feet. <laughs> yeah, I really didn't know the technology. I just knew that I needed to do that. So I mm. just got poles. And and I, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I did a lot of planning. I read a lot of books. And there was a, at the library by my house, they had a, a lecture about packing light for the Camino. So I went to that and they told me things I needed to know about that so it was um it was i just knew how to do it i i i sent off um it was like in january like ron died in august and by january i thought well if i'm gonna do this i better get it together here and so i started ordering online and it was a really great time because it was right after christmas and there were so many sales so i would get yeah. i ordered all okay. my huh you get your bargains. Bargains, yes, bargains, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um so uh yeah, so I I got there's this store in uh San Diego. There I think they're everywhere. It's called REI and I bought all my stuff online from REI and then I bought some stuff from Amazon online. Uh, but it, if I got it and it wasn't uh, light enough or if it didn't fit, then I just sent it back. And uh, so uh, by April, I had accumulated all the things that I needed. 
And um, it was, so I had all the stuff I needed to go on the Camino and, and I got my airfare and uh, actually, uh, like I say, absolutely wanted to finish no matter what, no matter yeah. what. And so that's why I just like, I gave myself three months and, and actually I spent the last month over in the UK. I, I was in Edinburgh um, the oh, last no, month. I apologize for you. I can huh? feel for you, Edinburgh. Really, <laughs> what whatever possessed you to go to Edinburgh? Oh well, I um, okay. So years ago, years ago, I saw this painting at my friend's house, and it was a modern uh, painting, and it had the halo behind the heads of the people, like it was an icon, and it made me think, wow, I would really like to learn how to paint icons. So I went online and there is a, actually a school, an icon painting school in Edinburgh. And, um, but I didn't go to, you know, I found one in San Diego also. And so I went to that one. And then, then when I was going to have like a month extra over in Europe, I thought, well, I'll go to Edinburgh and take the icon painting classes from that lady over there. So. There was one in France too, but I don't speak French, so I thought <laughs> I thought Edinburgh would be better. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. they might as well have been speaking Swahili up there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Anyway, uh, it was very it was very interesting because in in San Diego, doing the icon painting, we used acrylic paint, mm. and over in Edinburgh, they use the old, they do it the old way. They use um, oils. No, they use, they use egg gesso, egg gesso. So that, I mean, they take an egg and get rid of the white, right? And they've got the, mm. the yellow of the egg in your hand and you poke it and you squeeze the egg yolk out of that into a bowl and you mix beer with it. And then you mix the the powdered paints with it, and that's what they do. It they that's what they use for the paint. Isn't that amazing? Uh, yeah. Does it not <laughs> smell at all? <laughs> go off. <laughs> so that's what I mean. I have my icons in the in my front room. I have this little niche where I have my icons, and boy, that one that I made in Edinburgh looks really. Um, primitive compared to my ones that I made with acrylic paint. Mm. <laughs> so not satisfied then with um, having the mints down the, the Camino. <laughs> what did you do next? What did I do after the Camino? Yeah, you had another go, didn't you? From Portugal. Yeah. Oh, right. I went to Portugal. Oh, well. That was two years later. Um, so the Camino, you know, like it was in 2019 before COVID yeah. that I did the first Camino. The second Camino, I, I went from Lisbon up to Santiago. And, and it was during COVID time. And that was very exciting trying to find a place to stay because so many places were closed. And uh, Portugal's a lot different than Spain. Um, and so it was t a tough go. It was a tough go hiking in Portugal. 
Um, mm. Although it was wonderful. Oh my gosh, what a, what a civilization, the Portuguese. What a wonderful civilization. I just loved it. I had no idea, you know, how advanced they were. And, you know, geez, yeah. their history is, is wonderful. Um, they were so on, on the spot uh, dealing with the COVID, you know, they just, uh, you know, they took care of things. And um, that was really amazing. But like on the Camino in Spain in 2019, I was able to go forward all the time. But in Portugal, there was such a long space between the places where I could stay. Sometimes I had to take the bus back to the previous night stay, stay there, and then take the bus back in the morning to that other place oh, and then nice walk, one. you know. <laughs> So I, it wasn't, it wasn't as fun. I guess I should say it was, yeah. was more um, when I walked in Spain before COVID, it was, it was just like um fairy so tale. Yeah. So it was so beautiful and so wonderful. Um, but I would say that when I walked during COVID in Portugal, it was difficult, <laughs> but it was wonderful also. I mean, yeah. the first part of the, of the Camino goes on the same trail as the people that are walking to Fatima. Uh, it's the same trail. And I met so many people that were walking to Fatima. That was lovely mm. to, you know, to meet them. And, and they, they were all thinking it was wonderful to meet us too. So it was just like really <laughs> great, really great. And I walked so slow that, um, Every once in a while, somebody would walk slow with me, but everybody passed me up. No, I didn't. I passed one person up. There was one lady that I actually passed up. Um, but besides <laughs> that, everybody passed me up. And did you feel really <laughs> good once you'd take her, overtaken her? <laughs> she was really walking slow. <laughs> she was really walking slow. It, it was so cute. She, um, very, she was a mountainous woman. And she was just walking really slow. I mean, her boots weren't even all tied up. She was just like, walk, mm. walk, walk. And uh, um, I had to go to the bathroom a lot. So I was always going to a bar and getting a coffee so that I could use their restroom. <laughs> and so the I was I actually started walking with her for a little while. And I, and I asked her, you want to go to the bar with me? And she said, no, I got to keep walking or I'll never get there. And so I left her, went to the bar, went to the restroom, and then I went and I walked and I passed her again. And I was doing that all day long. I was, you know, she she just I, she, I guess she didn't have to go to the restroom. I don't know, but she just kept walking. Yeah, well. <laughs> so from from all this adventure, then I I understand you've uh, written a little bit of a book. Yes, I I have this book. It, uh, wisdom on the Camino um, and uh, a spiritual journey sharing forgiveness and possibilities to inspire the rest of your life by Kathleen Donnelly Israel. And um, the, the cool thing about the book is, um, well, actually, when I got home from the Camino, I decided to write my book. And I was going to just write it about all the things that I learned while Ron was ill and I had to be on the internet in the evening. And uh, then I, I didn't 
I felt weird being all teachy. So I thought, well, I told all those things to people on the Camino. So I wrote my book about walking the Camino and telling people those things. So that's, that's how I wrote the book. And really mm -hmm. my, you know, when you make a book, you make an outline and you just make lists of things you're going to say in different chapters. That was my outline was all my teachings that mm -hmm. I wanted to tell people. And then I just, uh, used, I just used that outline and wrote the story around it. Remembered all the things that I did. And on, on the Camino, I didn't really do a um, journal, but what I did was each night I went online and I told my friends what I had done each day on Facebook. So that was my journal. Mm. And my daughter made me a WhatsApp uh, um, and it was That's called, yeah, uh, it was called, well, you know, I have five kids, so I mean, it was a group, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and she called it mom's walkabout check-in. So they wanted, <laughs> they wanted me to check in. So I actually told them all the gory details. I told my mm. friends all the good stuff and I told my yeah. kids all the gory details of what you just what wanted was, to keep worried, didn't you? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, really, uh, you know, they, they were not worried at all. They had they had mm. complete faith in me, and um, they were just glad I was doing something wonderful after all those years of staying home with Ron. Yeah. And uh, so between all that, that's how I remembered the stories. So where could people get the book? It's on Amazon. Uh, I published on Amazon. I went through a self-publishing school, and then I published on Amazon. So... Um, it, isn't that a great cover that it's got um, it's got me walking forward yeah. and then it's um, you know, me standing there too. <laughs> um, yeah. Brilliant. Amazon wisdom on the Camino uh, by Kathleen Brilliant. Donnelly Israel on Amazon. Fantastic. Well, Kathleen, mm -hmm. I've really, really enjoyed this chat. What a story you've got. Thank you very much for for giving me this opportunity to talk to you. No, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.